Do you want to start a sustainable fashion brand but don't know what materials to use, which materials are quote-unquote sustainable with low MOQs, or even what to look for? Well, in this episode, I'm going to give you a list of 10 steps you can successfully use to source sustainable materials, and by the end, you will be well on your way to securing the materials you need for your sustainable fashion brand and be confident that you are making the right choice. Grab a notebook, grab a pen, and let's dive into this episode. Join the slow fashion revolution with Recloseted Radio. As the number one podcast for fashion entrepreneurs with a conscience, we're here to help you reach new heights. I'm your host, Selena Ho, the founder and CEO of Recloseted, and I'm on a mission to share my insider knowledge and strategies for launching a successful sustainable brand, growing your existing slow fashion business, and making your brand more environmentally friendly. I also invite industry experts to share their stories and insights too. So subscribe and let's get to work on transforming the harmful fashion industry. Kicking things off with step one, you need to decide what material is going to work best for you. It's important to have a vision of how you want your garment or product to look and feel. Do you want it to look a certain way? Do you want it to drape a certain way? Do you want it to be heavy and substantial? When someone's wearing the piece, do you want it to be soft and cozy? Do you want it to be durable because it's a jacket? Or do you want it to be lightweight? Really think about the elements around the look and the feel. You are likely going to be working with a design team, or if you're a designer yourself, then obviously work and chat with yourself. But you can ask your design team what materials would work best for what you're trying to accomplish in terms of the shape, the cut, the drape, and the feel, and really rely on their expertise and ask them what they would recommend. If you need tips on how to find a designer or how to design the best products, even if you don't have a fashion design background, then go onto YouTube and go onto a recloseted channel and you can search for our video, which is called how to design a clothing line, even without a fashion background. And we will leave it in the show notes as well. But that video should be really helpful for you if you are at the stage where you don't have a design team quite yet. The next step is to set up the criteria for mills. And if you don't know what a mill is, a mill is a business that you can buy your materials from. Just know that finding a good mill and a good material will take time and effort. Do not just go with whatever or whoever you find first because you really want to ensure it's the best of the best and you are confident that the quality of the piece is going to be reflective of what you want it to be. If you aren't working with us and we aren't warm introducing you to our trusted mills, then you need to put in the time, the work, and the effort required to find the perfect fit. What I would recommend is you make a criteria before you start looking so you aren't affected by emotions. I would recommend setting up some sort of spreadsheet or Airtable form or whatever you need to gather up all the criteria and then do your research and have all the mills and then you basically rank the mills against your criteria. In terms of what columns or what categories should be in your spreadsheet, I would suggest the following. First and foremost, have the name of the mill, have the location, have the website, the contact person's name and their email, and then you can talk about what types of materials they specialize in or they have. Note down any minimum order quantities or MOQs. Of course, you want to put down pricing and you may want to do it so that it's per meter or per yard and you may have to do the calculation, but then that way you're comparing apples to apples for every single mill. Also, you can have a status section around you know which ones you've contacted, which ones you've vetted, which ones you've asked for swatches, 
which ones aren't a fit, which ones are a fit, and just make sure you can stay organized. I would have some sort of notes section. That way you can make note of things and keep track of that as well. Finalize what all of the criteria is going to look like for you. And then step three is going to actually be setting up this evaluation system, whether it's a Google spreadsheet, an Airtable, a Notion, whatever works for you. Make sure you just have it in one place so that you can stay organized and stay on track. Step four is going to be actually gathering up all the mills and then putting them into your spreadsheet or your Airtable or your Notion. And how you're going to do that is a few ways. First and foremost, you can ask your network, ask around, see if there's any that people would recommend. You can search online as well, leverage Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups, Reddit, really try to cast a wide net so that you have as many options as possible. And there's also a couple of sites which we will leave in the show notes. But An example is Channel Dill and Seamless Source. It's essentially a job hosting site. And as a brand or as a product developer, you can go on there and say, hey, I'm looking for X type of fabric. And then mills and also manufacturers too will pitch themselves to you. And that is great because you don't have to just go looking for people. People can also come to you. It is also important to be super clear with what you're looking for though. So talk about what products you're creating, what machines or expertise you may need. Talk about the fact that you perhaps are looking for low minimums and just give as much detail as possible so people can self-select and see if they would be a fit for you. And we're going to have those sites linked down below so that you can leverage them. Step five is to vet each mill and material. Once you have a solid list of materials, mills, or even dead stock fabric that you are happy with, my next tip is to thoroughly vet them so that you are comfortable incorporating them into your product. It is so important to do your due diligence here. I have heard so many horror stories about bad quality materials, fake certifications, you name it, I've heard it. Really make sure you take the time to thoroughly vet them because I don't want you to be in a situation like that. Ask for the material composition so that you know exactly what makes up the material. Ask for certifications if applicable. One thing to note here is that it's not always a red flag if they don't have certifications because certifications can actually be quite expensive and time-consuming for smaller mills to go out and do. For a lot of smaller mills that are walking the walk and doing great things for the industry, they would much rather spend their time and budgets continuing doing great work versus trying to get these certifications. It's not always a red flag. However, if they don't have a certain certification and you would like them to, you can of course ask them why and really probe around it just to see what's going on. I would just encourage you to have an open mind and ask questions versus removing them from your list because they don't have a certification. Really ask why and be curious. And then of course you want to look into pricing as well. Pricing will be really big in terms of a determining factor for you. Their minimum order quantities may also be a determining factor too, so you want to ask about that. And then last but not least, really inquire about lead times as well because Some materials could be special editions, it could be certain things that they only do certain parts of the year. You want to make sure that the material you're interested in, you understand whether or not they always have this in stock. And then if not, how long does it usually take to get? Because you would hate to fall in love with the material, order some, and then sell out of product and then go back to order more material only to find out that they don't have it anymore. You want to make sure you ask about that as well. One thing to note, throughout this entire process is that you should trust your gut 
And I know that sometimes that can sound wishy-washy, but if you feel like something's off or something feels fishy and you can't put your finger on it, then make sure you trust that feeling. And I cannot stress this enough because if you are not getting a warm intro from our trusted mills, then really make sure you take the time, the energies, and the resources required to do your due diligence and find someone amazing to partner with. And make sure you keep track and stay organized in the spreadsheet or the Notion and the Airtable. I know I've mentioned that quite a few times already in this podcast episode, but I cannot emphasize that enough because you need to cast a wide net. You need to really make sure you have as many choices as possible, and then you need to narrow it down. And to stay sane, it needs to be organized and in one place. Please set yourself up for success and have it all in one place. The next step, or step six, is to ask for swatches. Of your top five to ten mil picks, you can ask for swatches and or samples of the fabrics that you are interested in. Sometimes this will be free and sometimes you will need to pay for the swatch and or pay for the shipping. And this just really depends on the mill and also depends on where you are. If there is a mill in your area though, I would highly recommend visiting them in person. Book appointment with them, visit them in person, and then you can actually touch and feel a lot of the fabrics. And typically from my experience, if you visit them in person, and they don't have to transport the swatches to you, usually the swatches will be free. But again, like don't let this cost deter you because you do want to cast a wide net. You can start to collect a fabric book of sorts and have these swatches so that you can actually start to touch the fabric and play around with it and see what would be a fit for you. Step seven is quality testing the materials. Once you get all the swatches, you're going to then select your top five favorites and the ones that meet your criteria from a price point, durability, color, lead time, et cetera, et cetera, perspective. And then you really want to quality test it. I recommend pulling on it, being really rough with it, seeing what happens to the fabric. Really ensure that the texture is the type of material you would want. And then you also want to wash the fabric as well. Do anything and everything a customer might do just to see what would happen. You want to see if it pills, if it frays, Will the color and the dye fade? I would hand wash it on cold, hand wash it on hot, put in the washing machine, do all sorts of things with it just to see what happens to it. And sometimes it is really hard to test with a really small amount of fabric, which is what a swatch usually is. For your top five choices, you may want to get additional meter and yardage from the mill so that you can actually really test it. And then good segue into step eight, which is to make samples. I always recommend to our clients for their first collection to make samples out of their top two or even maybe top three materials so that you can see what you like the most. And I know this can add up, but in the grand scheme of things, it's always best to know that you are 100% confident with the material and the product you are putting forth into the world, especially if this is your first collection. This will also allow you to fine tune your design and potentially help solidify the manufacturer you want to work with as well because you can get your manufacturer to make the samples. And some questions to ask and things to look for once you have these samples and you're kind of trying to decide and narrow down which material you want to move forward with. First and foremost, ask if this is the type of texture or the comfort you want the garment to have. You then want to go into the stretch and fit. You want to think about if it's flattering. You want to think about if it feels high quality. And then step nine is to really quality control and test the samples. Do anything and everything again that a customer may do. Wear it, wash it, hand wash it, machine wash it. And if the piece holds up well and you're happy with it, 
then amazing. Move forward with it. But alternatively, if you're noticing that it's pilling, if it's falling apart, all these things, have a really candid discussion with your design team and figure out if it's a design flaw and or if it's a material flaw. And then last but not least, step 10 is to secure the material. Reach out to the mill, put it in order, and then work with your design team to figure out how much fabric you need and the next steps. I also wanted to quickly give you a bonus tip, if you will, around dead stock fabric. You may have heard about dead stock fabric before, but just in case you haven't, essentially it's an excess or a surplus of fabric either from mills and or clothing brands that did not use these materials when they made their clothing. And there's two scenarios. It could be a perfectly fine, high quality fabric that you can potentially get at a lower price point because these mills have it laying around and or these clothing brands didn't use it. But on the flip side, it could just be left over because it's a lower quality fabric that didn't get used for a reason or something's wrong with it. And so there could be both scenarios. And dead stock fabric has a lot of controversy and debate around it, like many things in sustainability. And I would say that sustainability in general is nuanced and it's gray and it's there is nothing that is perfectly good or bad. It really just depends on your situation. Let me overview it. High level, the pros of dead stock are that you are potentially diverting fabric from landfill so you don't have to use new material because like I mentioned, sometimes there is surplus and excess from fabric mills and or clothing brands. So you, as a smaller brand, if you were to buy this dead stock fabric, you would be saving it from going to the landfill, which is good. Another pro is that typically this is supposed to be a bit more affordable than traditional new materials. And additionally, usually there's really low minimums, if any, so it can be friendlier and more approachable for smaller brands or brands just starting out. The con with dead stock, though, is that it can encourage brands and mills to purposely overproduce because they know they can sell it and make more money. If there is a demand, there's going to be supply, right? And so that's an argument around that. That being said, though, I will say if you are creating something that is needing a synthetic fabric, like you're doing athletic wear, hiking wear or something, then you might feel better using a dead stock fabric or a dead stock polyester or something versus something that is virgin. But really do your research and ensure you know what you're getting into. I would say if you are thinking of using a dead stock fabric, then try to ask around the history of it, how it got here, what brand used it, things like that, and try to get as much information as possible. They may not always have that information because sometimes a lot of dead stock fabric is donated and sometimes they don't even know what the fabric composition is. But if possible, try to get that information. And then when it comes to quality control and quality testing, you want to make sure you are all over it because you don't want to be in the camp where this fabric is being sold because it's lower quality. That's not what you want. So make sure you test it and you really do your due diligence here. But I wanted to talk a little bit about dead stock fabric. I'm not going to tell you not to do it. I'm not going to tell you to do it. It's really about empowering you with the facts and the knowledge so that you can dig a little bit deeper and figure out what would be best for you and for your brand. That's it for this episode. And I am going to have a really exciting announcement next week. I cannot wait for it. Make sure you stay tuned on the podcast and also make sure you are looking out on our social medias. This is something I've been thinking about for a really, really long time. And I am especially excited for you because. I'll give you a hint maybe because you're listening till the right end, but 
For our podcast listeners, it's always really bothered me how one-sided this conversation is because I just speak into this microphone, we upload the podcast, and then you listen to it. But I never really get to hear if you have any additional questions about the podcast, if you have any thoughts about the podcast, or if you want certain topics to be discussed. And so in next week, I'm going to share how we can start to create a bit of a community. I am so excited. So make sure you stay tuned. Keep your eyes out on social media. It's going to be absolutely free, which is why I'm really, really excited as well. We're going to be launching it next week. Keep your eyes peeled and your ears perked, I guess. I don't even know if that's a saying, but yeah, more coming soon next week. And that's a wrap on this episode. If you got value from this, I would appreciate it if you could take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram story, and tag us at Recloseted. Be sure to subscribe to the Recloseted Radio podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode and you have access to all of our valuable resources. And if you're feeling generous, please rate our podcast five stars and leave us a glowing review. I'm cheering you on, and together, let's transform the harmful fashion industry.